Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capital Ideas. This is the podcast where members of the Democratic majority in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Today's idea is this. The student loan industry is shackling a generation of college students with debt that will define much of their adult lives, and it doesn't have to be that way. The lawmaker talking about this idea today is House Majority Leader Pat Sullivan, and he's got a solution, so stay tuned. First, I'll remind you that Pat Sullivan represents the 47th Legislative District and hails from Covington. He's been Democratic Majority Leader since 2011, and he's passionate about the value of education. We talked in his Capitol office on Friday, February 1st, 2019, and here's how that went. Welcome, Representative Pat Sullivan. I appreciate you making a uh, maybe a third or fourth return engagement here on Capital Ideas. You bet. Thanks a lot, Dan. What I think we need to talk about today is one of your primary bills here this session, and it ties into something that is in the news almost every day, which is the crushing amount of student debt that there is in this country. Specifically, I'm talking about college loans. And I know that you are sponsoring at least one bill that is going to have a real effect on that here in Washington State. I I hope so, Dan. You're absolutely right that, you know, we hear every day about – young people who are graduating from college with, you know, a huge amount of student debt. They have trouble getting home loans. They have trouble building credit with that huge amount of debt. And it's a, it's a real problem. What specifically is your bill going to do? I know that it will create the, I believe it's called the Washington Student Loan Program. Yes. There are a lot of loan programs. What is it that yours is going to do? So ours will provide a 1% guaranteed interest rate uh, for those students, which won't accumulate until after they graduate. Uh, but right now you're seeing both, you know, federal government unsubsidized loans are at 6%. Subsidized loans are a little above 5%. And in the private market, it can be anywhere up to 10%. Uh, and those high interest rates really have an impact on, on a student, especially if they've taken out, you know, anywhere from, you know, 25000 to 100000 or more. So those higher interest rates really cause problems. Those are the kind of numbers people a few years ago, at least in Washington, would have associated with a house. Yeah. Just to go back, I would say that, you know, from a state perspective, first and foremost, we need to make sure that we have a strong grant program. Our state need grant has a waiting list. And I really think that before we, we have students approach, you know, student loans, they should access as many scholarships and grant programs that they can. Uh, my hope is that low-income individuals, middle-income individuals will be able to access enough grant and scholarship programs so that they're debt-free when they graduate from college. But there are many students who simply can't get that much in grants and, and scholarships, and so they turn to student loans. And for those students, I want to make sure that they have access to those low-interest loans. Is there going to be any cutoff on this? If, if my dad is a millionaire, would I be able to take advantage of this, or is it something that is there's going to be some sort of a cap or a means test for? So the, the rules will be developed by the Student Achievement Council. They'll, they'll oversee the program. But as it's drafted now, no, there would the only requirement would be that they have to fill out a FAFSA form. So they have to fill out a federal student uh, aid financial form. And, you know, I think a lot of those people that you're talking about won't fill out the FAFSA. Right. You have to provide a lot of financial information. And, you know, I, I don't think many of those students actually go through that process. So these will, will mo- for the most part, will be students who qualify for financial aid, but just not enough that allow them to go to school. And you know, I also want to make sure that, 
you know, students have, aren't having to work 40 hours a week or in some case even more hours and then can't spend enough time on their, on their studies to actually complete their schoolwork. And, you know, we're also seeing people who, because of that stress and that work, end up leaving college and can't complete their degree. I don't know if you have a dollar figure in mind of how large this kind of a program would be. I know it begins in the 2021-22 school year, so there's a couple of years to figure this out. I realize all this money will be paid back. So essentially, in the long run, it is a wash for the state budget. But in the meantime, how are you going to get these first resources to get this thing going? Yeah, when we looked at other states, we, we tried to try to determine, you know, how many students we thought might apply for this loan program and how much we would need in order to actually fund everyone who wanted to, to seek to apply for a student loan. And it was very difficult. So we, we don't have a good idea about how many students would actually apply. Uh, and looking at funding sources would, was difficult because capitalizing the program to start, you know, there, there's no magic money that's just laying around in an account somewhere. And so the thought was that the real estate excise tax is the same no matter how much you sell a home for. But for those homes that are over a million dollars, there's a slight surcharge in order to provide the, the funding for this these loans. And that will go into the student loan account for the state. It's estimated that it will raise about $50 million per year. And there's a nexus there. The, the thought is for students who are coming out of college with a, you know, a significant amount of debt, Again, they have that trouble, you know, they, they can apply for a, a mortgage, uh, but in many cases where they're, they're either defaulted on their student loan or they have a significant amount of debt, they can't get a mortgage uh, right. loan. And so, you know, they're shut out of the housing market and they're stuck renting uh, when they could be, you know, investing in a home at a, at a young age. And, you know, for those young couples, it just makes sense that for properties over a million, they can help fund the program that allows students who can graduate with either no or low amount of debt, but can, you know, then enter the housing market shortly after they're done with college. And start boosting the economy right away. Absolutely. And paying back their money. Right. At 1%. I don't know if you've heard this. I looked up a particular statistic, and it's just something I'll throw out here, that the total amount of college student debt in this country at this point is right at $1.5 trillion dollars which is $600 billion more than all of the credit card debt in the United States. It's startling. I mean, it really points to the problem that we have today is the fact that students who are really our future are finding themselves in an incredible amount of debt uh, and really many times struggle to get out of that. And, you know, that is a, that's a problem which is fixable, and, and we should fix it. You know, as, as lawmakers, as policymakers, you know, we have it within our ability to to change that dynamic. And again, you know, starting with scholarships and grants, uh, but then, you know, for those that need to round out the amount of money that they need to to finish college, allowing those low interest loans, you know, we should take on that responsibility. Right now in our state, local governments many times have access to 1% loans to help build their infrastructure. Why is it that we can't offer students 1% loans to to get through their their four years of college? And this is the kind of thing that really it's hard to pencil it out, but it's going to benefit the state. The more college graduates there are here that aren't basically just having to live in squats or five people in the same apartment, it's going to benefit the economy. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if they're paying less on their student debt, uh, they're buying cars. 
You know, in their first jobs, they're able to buy the things that in a sales tax dependent economy like ours absolutely has an impact on our economic uh, situation. This bill has been introduced, and I believe that it is up for a hearing next week. Is this correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so, Dan. You know, when I introduced the bill, I wanted to at least have the conversation this year. Uh, we'll see how far we can get. But again, I think it's our responsibility as lawmakers to t- try to solve this problem. It's gone on for quite some time, and the, that debt continues to rise. But let's quell that tide, and let's figure out a way to, to help our young students who are graduating right now with astronomical debt. It's within our range, and we should do it. Well, it seems like this might be the year. I know that a lot of attention is being turned to higher education this session. Yeah, I, I agree, Dan. You know, again, like you said, you know, we'll continue. K-12 education is more than 50% of the budget, and we'll get a lot of attention from, you know, here on out, regardless of the, the McCleary decision being finished. When those kids graduate from our high schools, we want them to go to college here in Washington State. So having access to the loan program hopefully will help keep some of those students here as well. One thing I didn't mention is that when students fill out their FAFSA form, those students who are dependents, the federal government determines how much support that they should receive from their parents to help them get through college. In many cases, the the amount that parents are expected to support their students, they can't do that. And so students find themselves in a bad situation. They can't get the support from their parents, not because they don't want to provide that support, but because they don't have the financial ability to do so. And so they're they're stuck in the middle. That really is an unfair situation for a student. And yet the bill is the same from the college. And so in those cases, we, we should come to their aid. For as long as America has been a country, one of the mantras in this country has been trying to make sure that each generation is better off than the one before. And that's been a little precarious in the last couple of decades, but this seems like the kind of thing that would be certainly helpful in that situation. I agree. And I I was trying to remember during my time at the University of Washington, I I took out student loans each year that I was there, and I wound up with about $10,000 in debt. Of course, that was many, many years ago, so that $10,000 in today's value would be far more than that. But my memory is I, I received student loans uh, some of them were at 9%. And so, you know, it it took some time to pay those off. And you're absolutely right. My kids and their friends and their friends' friends should be better off. They should be able to access loans at a much lower rate. And again, you know, hopefully the grants and the scholarships will be greater as well. And, you know, they'll be in much better shape once they graduate. I think this is a good place to wrap up while this bill is still in progress, and I will check back with you to see how it's going real soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you, Pat. And that's it for today. If you feel like you got something worthwhile out of the last few minutes, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your state government, and what happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thank you for listening.